I remember I was at the race in Oceanside. It was the night before and I'd been to the pro meeting and, you know, I'm just, I'm looking around at these monsters sitting beside, you know, here's Maddie Reed sitting beside me over here. Here's Tim Boom, and you just all these, and I'm just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I felt like I could keep up on the bike and the run, but the swim was just crushing me at that point. And, and at the same time, I mean, you got these guys approaching an hour off the bike in a half marathon, you know, it's, it's like, man, what are you doing? And at that point, my nerves were getting me so bad that I was literally sick throughout the entire night. I mean, I was literally, I was, I was vomiting. I was, you know, Jen was up with me and we thought I had the flu, but looking back, I know it was just nerves, you know? And so I literally, it was about two in the morning. I took my bike apart, packed it up. So I wouldn't change my mind. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not racing tomorrow. This is it. I'm not doing it. And I can remember my parents were, were there with us in the hotel room. And my dad just shakes his head and he goes, thank God. <laughs> he was like, because he could tell I was just getting eaten alive mentally, you know. And so the next day we, we went to the zoo instead. You know, we, we had fun. And I went on a run that next day. And I thought, you know what? I'm pretty good at this part of it, especially going long. Let's give that a go, you know? So that's that's how it kind of started from there. And thank goodness I did that because I was starting to beat my head against the wall again. <laughs> Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. Yes, our small business model has birthed itself a massive global intention, so we thank you for assisting us along the way. The listeners who are supporting this podcast through a monthly pledge on Patreon are single-handedly keeping this podcast and the Awake Athlete Podcast commercial-free. So thank you to our Patreon supporters, because we literally would not be able to continue this show without you. For all of you who are tuning in weekly, sharing the show with your friends, we are so grateful because with the growth of each episode, we are able to share life transformative knowledge. And that, my friends, is just one of the ways that you are assisting us in creating a better world, which I believe is a perfect segue into today's guest. We have Craig Howie with us today, and he is a person who, as long as I've known him, as long as BJ has known him, which I think we probably met you at the same moment in our lives, that you have, Craig has lived his truth. In other words, he is someone who is living his purpose. And BJ and I know that this has come with great challenge and great risk. Craig came into our lives during our early days in Boulder, Colorado, when he was pursuing his dreams in triathlon. Craig became our first triathlon coach, one of my first massage therapy clients, and a lifelong friend who has always been there to support our goals and visions of the future. Craig went on to become a professional triathlete and ultra runner all the while, keeping his love for music alive. He and his wife, Jen, were in a band for many years, and you may actually still be in a band, but their most epic and most recent reality creation is being found within their guitar company, Howie Guitars, where Craig hand makes every single piece from scratch. Having zero idea of how to start a guitar company or make a guitar did not stop them. 
Nothing, I mean, nothing stops Craig from doing what is on his heart and what he wants in this life. And that, my friends, is why we are here. We are here to find our purpose and to live it and to, and to let nothing stand in our way. So Craig's ventures are, have always been fueled by what he calls the beginner's brain. And coupled with his wife's philosophy of failing fast, Craig has allowed himself the space to simply go for it time and again. Craig, welcome to the show. We are so psyched to have you here with us today. Oh, it's an honor. I really appreciate it, guys. Anxious Ooh. to talk to you. And it's 1111, which is a very serendipitous um, number. <laughs> so. I have to say I had some serious deja vu when we first started today. I was, wow, it just sunk in pretty hard. <laughs> what, like our history? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, just, just uh, pushing the button even to join the session, I had just a flash of deja vu that was pretty overwhelming. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Why what, overwhelming like emotion? Did you feel emotion? Absolutely. And I, I could have sworn that we've done this. I mean, just, I could have sworn, you know, a long time ago, somehow. <laughs> so, I like that. You know, yeah. I like that because yeah. I'm sure we did. Yeah, I'm sure at one point we, we did we, and we are and we yeah. just wrapped it up in whatever dimension <laughs> of life that is that we're living. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, my gosh. So, where you are. I know. Where yeah. do we start? Like, you are our first triathlon coach and, and, you influenced so much about how we coach, um, yep. about how we train, yeah. uh, holding ourselves back. And really, Craig introduced us to the math method, to, oh, yep. you know, the, the conversational pace. But give us some back, give the audience background on, and some people might be having deja vu too, going, wait, have they had him on the show before? <laughs> because we've talked about you over the years as being such a big influence in our lives and what we've yeah. learned from you. But people who may not know you, give them a background, like what got you into triathlon and, and you know, really what I'm asking you to do is sums, sum up a massive part of your life yeah. uh, so people can understand who you are a little bit more. Yeah, boy. I mean, for me, it always starts back when I was a wrestler and, uh, you know, it was definitely wanting to be a wrestler and wanting to be an Olympian and wanting to be the best at, you know, some kind of sport. But, uh, my senior year in high school, I destroyed my knee as Jess will know really well. <laughs> She's worked on that knee many times. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it, it put me into, uh, just a super, super low point where I could hardly walk. I, you know, I was just demolished by it because it, pretty much cut off that dream with wrestling. But in in rehab, I had to ride a bike a lot. And eventually I could run again. I had always run cutting weight, of course, for wrestling. And uh, then I just luckily befriended a, a coach at my college that taught me how to swim. And, and I thought, okay, you know, I'd heard of this Ironman thing. So I was like, all right, let's give this a go. And uh, went through that for a long time. And, and started being a, a math teacher. I got my degree in math and uh, found out really quickly that wasn't for me <laughs> teaching math to high school kids. No offense, high school kids and teachers out there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I had, at that point I had connected with the Boulder Center for Sports Medicine in, in Boulder, Colorado. And I was kind of the mouse in the corner for a long time there. And learn their methods. And then they've, they kind of endorsed me and I thought, you know what, let's just do this. Let's, let's start coaching and trying to be a professional. 
And so, yeah, went for it. And, um, yeah. And BJ, I think I looking back, I think BJ was my very first athlete. I think so. If I, if I look out, man, I'll have to look back yeah. as far as triathlon goes because well, yeah, Matt, brought, I think Matt Kolb connected us. That's right. I want to say that's right. I remember, um, you coming into my living room on, uh-huh. on the place that we rented from Matt and you extended, this is the plan. This is that's like what I, right. what I do. The poster. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we used to blow up our our master plan, and like that was like yes. wallpaper. The yellow, yes. the red, the greens. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, the base phase, the build phase, uh, yeah, the peak, peak phase. And taper. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know if Matt was already. I think he might have been already an athlete um, with you. I'm, I wasn't sure, but he definitely introduced me to you in terms of. Um, wanting wanting to get into this sport. Yeah. Maybe it was Matt, but I, I just remember so clear that that was the beginning, you know, that was definitely the start. And, you know, really quickly, it was just word of mouth from there. And, and, uh, you know, pretty much the, the basis of the coaching that I learned was slow down, stupid. You know, that was, that was pretty much what I learned from the center. They, you know, I was out beating my head against the wall every single day and not making any progress and wondering why. And they, they just said, slow down. And, and, uh, you know, then of course, with the math bath background, um, I, I really thrived on their mathematical approach to it. So, yeah. And, uh, so we're, we're talking about the Boulder Center for Sports Medicine, which is like, you know, wow. I mean, that, that's a pretty, a pretty, okay pretty place. amazing place <laughs> to be like as a new triathlete, I'm going in there, I'm getting my LT test and all of this, but, um, Really, one of the the people that was a influence in your life is Neil Henderson, right. who is a, just an um, amazing coach. Um, you know, coaches high performance athletes, and at the time he was working at the Boulder Center, and um, so here's you know an influence in your life, which then became an influence in our life. And my God, how what I, I don't want to say luck. I really don't think there's luck in this world. So I'm just gonna put out like major gratitude for the alignment that the that the three of us had to yeah. have such an amazing resource. And and Neil is so humble. Like he's just and he's so cool and he's brilliant. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I often talk about Neil as the giant that I stood on his shoulders. <laughs> you know what I mean? He you know, he took me to a level right away that I didn't belong at at that point, you know, but then he gave me the legitimacy of, you know, I would bring the athletes into the center and they would see, you know, this is serious, you know, this is the real deal. So yeah, he was. Yeah. And I think Beej, like in his second season was like doing VO2 max training with you. Like you were always just so generous, like taking (laughs) as Neil took you under his wing, like you took Beach under your wing and really introduced him to high level performance, which I think had a massive impact on the athlete he is today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, I was going to say with same here in reverse order. I, I, I can remember all the swim sets we did together, Beach, you know, yeah. I think just... people, this is, I think people who know me see me as a swimmer now, but you saw me when I was a swimmer when I was just barely able to get oh to the gosh. other side of the pool and you yes. were like, you were allowing me, you, you showed me that I could jump in the pool. I would first thing I had to do was get underwater and hold my breath. 
<laughs> right? Absolutely. Because I was so panicky and yes. scared to get to the other side. And you were just like, okay, well, let's step it back and let's just go yes. underwater and be okay with being underwater. And, so, and the snorkel. We did so snorkel. much snorkel work. Yeah. Which is funny because so I'm, I'm a huge believer right now in using everything that you taught me, obviously. I can um, see I have I a snorkel mark on my forehead <laughs> oh, right now from the Excellent. pool set I just did. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, that thing is so helpful. So the, helpful. The snorkel, the tempo trainer. But, yeah. you know, I recall I was thinking back as I was approaching this podcast, like the level that you allowed me to enter the sport into um, recalling ex- my favorite day of the week was Thursday mornings where you know, I would swim masters at six, at five thirty, six at five forty-five at the uh, South Boulder Rec Center, and then ride my bike up to the Boulder Center where I yep. would meet you, and we would do uh, VO two, or we would do yeah VO two sets. We would yeah. use oxygen. Yeah. Um, this is me, <laughs> like average <laughs> Joe Trathley. Craig, I think you were at a you were a coach or in that transition of becoming a yep. professional. Yep. And we're, we're side by side with Neil Henderson putting on the, you know, the tour de France to watch. And we're like using <laughs> these oxygen tanks. And soon after, like you were replacing them and you like knew your way around. And then yep. we would get off the bike and, and I would bike home and I would do these hard run sets. So that was like yeah. one morning, um, of my life. And we would do that every week. And, and I, yep. I remember just how, how supportive you were in not only allowing me to come into the center and do these workouts with you, but yeah, but to, to, to have me have my own experience where I was like suffering and pushing through and you were, you were still coaching me during your, um, right. during, while you were gritting it out. So, right. Oh well, my God. I, that's so you, Craig, I was gonna <laughs> just say, like what? giving, giving, <laughs> get, always giving, always supporting, always being amazing to everyone around you. Well, I was going to say what, what it's, it's reversed, right? You were keeping me company, man. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to suffer on my own. That's all. <laughs> man, dude, Z5 on a trainer with oxygen on your face, man, you got to, you know, that's some yeah. hard stuff. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I miss that. I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Do you, yeah. So do you, uh, yeah. Do you miss, um, I don't know. We, we haven't talked in a, in a, yeah. in a long time, but we, you know, I don't know what your activity level's like now, but do you miss that part of your life or some aspect? Oh, so of it? much, so much. Yeah. I mean, so after my last, my last race was Leadville 2014. Um, and I remember the night before that race, knowing this is it this is my last one because it was just i was at peace i could hear like my whole crew was in the kitchen goofing around having fun i was trying to sleep but it was just so peaceful and and i just loved how much support i i I was just smiling thinking of how much support i had sitting in that kitchen you know and they were all friends and i knew that they were just gonna you know they're going to stay up all night the next day for me. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, you know, that's love, you know? So I remember thinking, yeah, let's go out here, you know? But so that race, after that race, um, I just, you know, I knew I wanted to stop, but oh my gosh, what a low point. I mean, I, I, you know, I preface this with, I, I don't hold a candle to any kind of a soldier out there, but I do think there is a, a, almost a post endurance, uh, stress syndrome. You know what I mean? If you, you go from a super high endorphin, high level of, of activity to, you know, I kept going 
I kept running, but it, it just wasn't the same. You know what I mean? And so, man, that's a, it was a low point. But, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, keep going. Well, I just keep going. Keep going down this road. This is so yeah, good. Since then, I, you know, so Leadville, then I, I'm not sure where it is now, but it was mid-August. And uh, anyway, it was, we went, uh, I don't know, two weeks or so, and I started running. And we were in the process of trying to revamp a new house. We bought a old beater and we're, you know, fixing it up. My dad and my wife and I, and I kept running and kept running. And so, you know, here we are 2020 and I haven't missed a day of running since then. It's, and that's, what's gotten me out the door is the streak, you know? So it's, it's six plus years of not missing a day of running. And it's, it's not like I'm going out and running a marathon every day, but I run every day, you know, no matter what the pace, no matter what the, you know, sometimes I'll do intervals just cause, because I got to get that little kick of endorphin, you know what I mean? And some days like I can remember having the flu and running a mile and that was it, but I ran, you know what I mean? So that's where I am now, you know, it's just the consistency is what gets me out the door as opposed to training for something. You know, it's like, oh, well, my I, God, that's a huge ran. streak. Six years. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. after Leadville, you said you hit a low point. Oh, boy. Did. Whew. Yeah. Can, can, can you share more about yeah. that? Like, I mean, and, I, oh. and when did the because the light shined in because you're still here. Yeah. yeah thank goodness. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, like the, the, I think we've all, you know, I, I'll wow. speak for myself. I've definitely had moments in my life where I'm just like, my God, like I. This is too much. It's too heavy. Yeah. Like I, I just want that relief now. And what does that mean? Like if I keep living, that means I'm going to have to live with this weight until, right. until I, I don't have to carry it. And, and you don't know when that's going to be. So yeah, what is a exactly. low point? What did it look like for you? What did it feel like? What was your relationships like? I was still coaching, but it was so much different. I was, I, I joined forces a little bit with fast forward sports, um, at the time. And I was helping them and I was still doing my own thing. And man, I was just lost, completely lost. I mean, and, uh, luckily one of my closest friends and friends, you guys who Dana Willett, um, and I, we, we were talking one day, just, we were at the, uh, I'm forgetting which rec center it is in, in, uh, in Boulder, but she was doing the, uh, you know, the compression legs, you know, mm. the flowing our legs. I remember sitting there so clear and she was like, you need some help, buddy, you know, and, and it's true. And I did. So she hooked me up with a life coach, uh, shout out to Sherry Felix here in Boulder, uh, distilled coaching. And so, yeah, went, went down some dark roads with Sherry, me and I, and, and, uh, you know, she, she helped me a ton. She, you know, got me to, uh, at least back to semi-normal and then I could build from there, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, and you guys are so strong in this, but, um, to this day, one of the biggest things is meditation. That, that was, that was her, her main thing was getting me on meditation and, and, uh, going from there. So. Nice. Yeah. So what were those first early stages of meditation like? Oh, awful. And they, no, and they, I, I no, mean, they, no, they do. They, they, they absolutely sucked for me. Absolutely well, sucked. 
And and she would probably yell at me because I've I've definitely morphed how I meditate to this point, you know, because it's at first it was me doing the classic, you know, I, I would, I would try to sit down in a quiet room and, you know, legs crossed everything, do it, do it like, you know, classic style. And, uh, I was just, I know it's a cliche, but I was just awful at it, you know, just monkey brain, like crazy, you know? So I morphed it a little bit. I would start to do it at the end of a run that, that helped me be a little bit more consistent, um, you know, linking it to the run. And what I would do is I would sit by, we live by a, a nice little stream. So I would sit by the stream. The water helped a lot. And uh, so that's, that's still post-run. I've got the water, but it's really morphed into more of like a lot of the guitar work is meditative because, you know, for example, you have to... Uh, you have to dress the frets on a guitar and it's just, it's just a really simple task that you do over and over and over and over. And, and so it's just, you can just sink into it. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of things like that with building guitars where I, I always joke that I'm a professional sander because I'm, I, you know, I'm not a luthier or a guitar builder. All I do is sand all day. My hands are just, you know, rawhide because I sand all the time. <laughs> So, but yeah, boy, I haven't thought about Sherry in a long time. That really, that really takes me back. She, she, she picked me up for sure. Yeah. But you took the action, you know, like it's just, again, I don't think there's any luck. I think everything is very purposeful in how it aligns in our life. And that moment when Dana looked at you and was like, dude, like, yeah. you need, <laughs> you need some help. And, and, yeah. um, and then you took the action. And so yeah. that's the biggest thing. And I think it's really easy for us to, um, say like, oh gosh, she did this for me. She did this for me, but she, your coach would probably be the first person to say, no, you did it. I just True. gave you the tools and the permission to use those tools. <laughs> and that's why, I, you know, as an athlete, like having that, that athletic background, it's like you get the tools and, and you stick with it. And, yeah. you know, when the meditation is crappy, um, when you're, you know, you've got an athlete body and you're sitting cross-legged, like that can be painful. <laughs> and, you know, like we're going to just sit there and we're going to complete what we started. Um, that's amazing. I didn't know that, uh, that you were meditating. And then the water makes so much sense because the water, if you think about water, like, water cuts rock like water always finds a way yeah and cause so consistent you know the consistency of it was I, I think a huge part of it for me and i mean i like i said i'm very amateurish i guess i would say with meditation like that was the end of it for me you know she she basically was like look you need to do this so i did it you know and and i've i've done it since but that was it you know i haven't i haven't i haven't delved into it more or tried to learn more about it you know I've just kind of found my own way with it and, you know, so. But you're, you're simply, you're simply, so the thoughts are like fighting for, for attention. And so when you sit by the stream, you're able to notice, and I'm just asking you this here and you could say it's wrong or right, but you're able to, to see the thoughts come in, but your, your attention then goes to the running water so that you have some sort of focus where you're not giving and indulging in every single thought that wants to vie for your attention is that is that yeah. somewhat of what's happening absolutely i sometimes just the sound helps and then i'll i'll close my eyes and i have to i have to count 
So I, I, I literally picture it's, it's this, my, it's my favorite spot up in the Bighorn mountains. You've been there, BJ up there. Oh, the cabin. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it's, I picture that spot and then I picture the number, you know, basically in front of my face in that spot. And as, as soon as I feel like I've really pictured one really well, I'll move on to two, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'll move on to three and so forth. And, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's not long, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's three minutes because I'm got to go make breakfast, you know, <laughs> but. Curious, yeah. curious, um, as an athlete, um, well, one, do you wear a heart rate monitor still when you run or are you just running? Just running. Yeah. And okay. I, and I, I, I'm so, well, it's funny because my, my, my oldest son, Grable is a really good runner, but his, his focus is like the 400 and the 800. And we went out, you know, and I, I, I coach him and train him too. And, and, uh, we, we go out and do some workouts together and I really have to hold him back. Of course, he's 17, wants to, you know, crush the world. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and, Whoa, uh, I remember yeah. when he was born, I know. Right. Yeah. And he's a senior guys It's killing me. He's killing me. So, but you know, so we would go out and run and, and finally we got to the point where we would be on the track and I would, I would make him stay behind me. And, and I would say, I'm going to hold you right at six thirties. And he'd be like, whatever, dad, there's no way you can, you know, just know where you're at. But I bet you, I bet you two could do the same thing. It's just at some point, you know, your body, you know, you know what it feels like, you know? And so, so after that, he trusts me a little bit more. <laughs> so, so when you do these, I think that's, that's so powerful to what, how we coach because we like to relate information with a feel, right? Cause, cause those two data points or three data points, it's always good to have more than one. Um, but athletes get to t tend to be all consumed with one, like the numbers, especially um, the heart rate, <laughs> especially the heart rate. But I was curious to know when you do these runs and then whatever pace they are, and then you sit there still, do you feel, do you feel a sense of a calming or, or a sense of relief or like a weight has been lifted, even though it, it could be a temporary, you know, second or, or minute of like, yes, definitely. Calm? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think, you know, Whereas before it was, it was, you know, gratitude and, and happiness that I made it through the workout. Now it's just like, honestly, I think it's, I added another day to the street. That's one of the biggest things. Oh, I got one more in, got one more in, you know what I mean? It's, you know, I, I'm trying really hard to not let it be a wearing thing, like, you know, like a jail, you know, and just think of, okay, you got out the door again, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Um, I'm interested to know about the benefits that you have seen, if any, in the way you relate to your kids and relate to your wife, Jen, because of, um, because of your meditation practice. Yeah. What has it afforded you? Well, and man, I hesitate to call it a practice because like I said, I'm, I'm still am not very good at it, <laughs> but I try. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can't be bad at it. You can't, yeah. The fact that you show up for it is a huge win. Yeah. There, there's your win. You're amazing. You're, you're a professional we, we, meditator. We tried it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think with the boys, especially it's, it's a matter of what I catch myself doing a lot of times is okay, I'm hanging out with my youngest son, Griffin, 
and we're having fun, you know, say we're playing basketball or something. I catch myself being like, man, I should be in the garage doing, you know, I should be in the shop. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And it's like, man, knock it off. Just be right here, you know? And I mean, because, you know, before you know it, they're going to be gone and you're going to miss this so much. So it's like you go through that whole thing in your head in about two seconds, you know, and then, all right, get back to it. you know. So I suppose the same as, you know, with meditation, when you're like, knock it off, stop thinking about that. Come back to the, you know, the breath, the water, the numbers, the, you know, whatever it is. Do you find so. that same, like, that's what we call getting in the gap. Do you find that same gap in the way that you relate to your wife? Oh yeah. Same, same exact situation. Like make sure you're paying attention, <laughs> you know, listen, you know, it's like my brain will start to go somewhere else to be like, knock it off. <laughs> yeah. And so. you know, we meditate to make the mind one focus, uh, one pointed in its focus. And I love how you do it with the numbers. Like you get really yeah. focused on one. Yeah. Is it, is it there? It too. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's the same thing with the building of guitars because you can't, I, I know you, you, you reference the sanding, mm -hmm. but each stroke matters. Oh, exactly. And it's what, what gets me is I have to focus in on the task at hand at that very moment. Even if it's, you know, even putting glue on something, you have to do it right. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you don't do it in a certain way, the end result's going to be not as good. And, you know, so I, I think of a lot like, you know, like say engineering or like say building something like a deck, you know, a tiny, tiny little mistake at the beginning is going to be huge at the end. You know what I mean? So it's like, man, stay, stay right here. Focus on just this. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I want to go backtrack a little bit and talk about your transition from triathlon to ultra running. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I mean, I saw it happening from afar. We had already moved away from Boulder. And um, so we were watching it from afar. But what I was working with you right up until right we then. left Boulder, 2010. Wow. Yeah. And you had had a bike accident. Yes. Remember that? Oh gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did a, you were, I was taking a, I had taken a trauma in the body class and you were my perfect specimen. We did some really <laughs> cool work. There was something about, one thing about you, Craig, you were always open to whatever oh, crazy yes. shit I was bringing to you. I was like, okay, we're going to do this today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. I mean, you've seen me at my, my most vulnerable for sure. Yeah. You know? So how do you make so. the transition from, yeah, triathlon to ultra running. It was so I remember I was I was at at the race in Oceanside and um it was the night before and I'd been to the pro meeting and you know I've just I'm looking around at these monsters sitting beside you know here's Maddie Reed sitting beside me over here here's Tim Boom and you know, just all these and I'm just like what am I doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I I felt like I could keep up on the bike and the run but the swim was just crushing me at that point. And, and at the same time, I mean, you got these guys approaching an hour off the bike in a half marathon, you know, it's, it's like, man, what are you doing? And at that point, my nerves were getting me so bad that I was literally sick throughout the entire night. I mean, I was literally, I was, I was vomiting. I was, you know, Jen was up with me and we thought I had the flu, but looking back, I know it was just nerves, you know? And so I literally, it was about two in the morning. I took my bike apart, 
packed it up. So I wouldn't change my mind. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not racing tomorrow. This is it. I'm not doing it. And my parents, I can remember my parents were, were there with us in the hotel room. And my dad just shakes his head and he goes, thank God. <laughs> he was like, because he could tell I was just getting eaten alive mentally, you know. And so the next day we, we went to the zoo instead. You know, we, we had fun and I went on a run that next day and I thought, you know what, I'm pretty good at this part of it, especially going long. Let's give that a go, you know? So that's, that's how it kind of started from there. And thank goodness I did that because I was starting to beat my head against the wall again. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, like you just relented, right? You just like surrendered. You were like, what, what am I trying to do here? This is yeah. it. Clearly it wasn't bringing you joy. Right. And it was so obvious when I made the choice because it was like this gigantic weight coming off of my shoulders. I mean, it was, I can remember taking all of my stuff to, I don't know if he was even there still, the pros closet. Mm -hmm. Is it still there? Mm -hmm. And I remember just do with it what you will. I seriously, my bike, my wetsuit, my everything triathlon related, except my runners, you know, and like sell it. And oh my god was, that's yeah. that's like a massive life change yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. thank goodness i was still running yeah and you know the through line being the running is still you know um the, thing. the support around you the support your mom your dad yeah. like jen your kids uh your tight-knit community of friends and yeah. i and we've seen it over the years it's it's the probably the most, and I think you would agree, the most powerful thing that has allowed you to, um, for you and Jen to be 100%. these entrepreneurs and to, and to risk things like this. You said your dad was, was relieved when you did this. How about, um, your mom, Dana and, um, and Jen and, and your close knit friends? Because I think that they would yeah. have supported you through whatever decision you made, but did they all support you, um, on this decision? Yeah, they did. I, I think there was a little bit of sadness on my mom's part. She, cause she just loved Iron Man itself so much. You know what I mean? And, and Kona and, and just the, the, the culture around it and the, you know, you know, she, she would, you know, I probably to this day, she still watches, you know, the, the, when they do the broadcast of it, you know, afterward and just the good, feel good stories and stuff. And there was some of that with my, my folks that I was, you know, coaching at the time too, because I think it was, it was a surrender of a dream. You know, it was kind of saying, all right, you know what? I didn't make that one. And I think that was tough for some of them to see like, man, is he quitting? You know what I mean? And, and it just, it was just the right thing to do. I just knew it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, trail running. Is that, yeah. is that like a different sport than road oh running? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So the best, the best year I had the last year, 2014, I always tell this story to anybody that wants to do trail running. I, I didn't lift a single weight. I didn't go into the gym once. And I, it's just because trail running is it's strength personified. I mean, it is especially downhilling. I learned that really quick that if you can be a good downhiller, you can be really good at ultra. And, but, oh my gosh, I mean, you know, here I, I was at a really high level triath triathlon wise. And all of a sudden I was so sore in the mornings, you know, just like, 
what is happening to me? I'm going to jump over these rocks and like land in weird ways. And, you know, so yeah, it was a huge physical shift as well. And uh, yeah, wish you would have been there, Jess. You <laughs> could have fixed me up a little bit better. <laughs> no, I, I had I had Todd. The, you passed oh me my on. gosh, that's yeah. right. I passed you yeah. on to Todd. He's amazing, yeah. and I think he's still practicing in Boulder. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure where he is. To you be guys right played now. music together, didn't yep. you? Yeah. yeah. Todd. Yeah. Todd yeah. is a dear friend of mine from massage school. Um, that I met in massage school. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I think so. he got into some distance he running, some trail too. running too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he went up green mountain with me a couple of times and we had some, when I was training and yeah, he, and he did some, some stuff in Moab and yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So. Yeah. I could see you guys getting along pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um, so, okay. So math teacher, um, you know, mus- <laughs> musician for a long time and triathlete, pro triathlete coach um, trail running, all of these things you could look at and go, wow, they're all over the map. But is, do you, do you feel like there is a thread that has a, that has allowed these things to come into your life that like, it just kind of makes sense? Like, oh yeah, well, being a math teacher made sense because now I need this in this sport. Yeah. I think it's funny. I, Jen and I were talking about this a lot and I, I have, you know, whether it's, whether it's ego or it's, you know, fear, I have this hope and wish to be unique in some way. And, you know, to, to make myself set apart. I, I, let's put it this way, a better way to put it. I have a fear of just being just dissolved into the masses, I suppose. And, and so Jen and I were talking about that's kind of a, a through line with all of it. It's like, okay, you want to do something that's different, you know what I mean? Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of, it was Jen's idea to start the guitars. And, uh, it was just so when she said, it, it was like, Oh yeah, duh, of course, let's do that. <laughs> you know? And, uh, it's, I, I definitely think there's transfer between the sports to the guitars because it's, it's takes so much patience, you know, similar to, to what all of us have done with Ironman and endurance. It takes so much, you know, patience and, you know, waiting, waiting when you really want it to happen right now, you got to wait for it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you, you know, people may say, well, well, that was easy for him because he was a musician, but you didn't know how to build a guitar. <laughs> No, not at all. So, I, like, it's so yeah. funny to hear you say, well, it was Jen's idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But no, actually, Craig, it made no sense because you didn't know how to build a guitar. <laughs> so true. It's so true. So how do you take that? How do you start? Yeah. Because there's the block that most people would be like, oh, that's, oh, well, I gotta turn that's a really cool idea. But yeah. it's for somebody who knows how to build guitars. Right. And it was it was uh it was quite a stretch. And I have to I have to give credit back to Todd one more time there, too, because he he turned me on to these two books. Um, one is called How to Fly a Horse, and the other is called A More Beautiful Question. Oh. And both of them were centered around trying something and, and being really okay with failure and and then just trying to build from there. And, you know, Jen and I, we, we talked about, you know, should, should we try to go to school? Have, you know, have you learned how to, how to do this? And I just resisted it. And for whatever reason, I had just read those books. And so I just went in the garage and started making a mess. And, you know, it was so much about 
beginner brain, beginner brain, beginner brain, and learning, you know, to do something that's already been done, but maybe you'll come at it in a, in a different way, which I definitely do now. I've had, you know, trained luthiers come into the shop and be like, what are you, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes they'll be like, well, man, that's pretty clever. I, I would have never thought of that. And I think it's because I went at it without getting the outside sources to tell me, oh, this is how it's always been done. But, but to be honest, I probably spent more money doing it my way because I wasted so much stuff because I kept screwing up so badly. And I still have my very first guitar, and it's it's a train wreck. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, Can you play it? <laughs> it, it? It'll play, but it's like there's not one note that's in tune. There's no way. It's like I mean the the evolution is just is just crazy from that one to to where they are now. So give us yeah. some more uh, background or more explanation around the beginner's brain. Yeah. So. The biggest thing that I've learned about it is to try really hard to resist um, the outside to tell you how something should be done. And which that was pretty difficult for me because, you know, I've I've been coached in my life and I, I you know, like, let's say, Neil Henderson, for example, he was a fantastic coach for me and I was kind of used to go do this. Okay. Aye, aye, sir. Right. You know, off I go. And so it was, it was scary as hell <laughs> to do it. And I went in and just, you know, I knew what a guitar should look like. I'd played them forever. And I knew some, I knew some, some fundamentals. For example, there's a, a steel rod that goes down the neck. They call it a truss rod. And if you don't have that in a guitar, it, when you tune it up, it'll, the neck will just break because it won't have the strength. So I knew, I knew little things like that. And I knew, um, okay, well, I've got this guitar. And right, right about that time, my dad gave me his 1964 Gibson that he bought when in 64 and he gave me the amp. And so I had this beautiful guitar to just keep looking at, you know, I was like, okay. How did they do that? How did they do that? How did they do that? And so I just built really slowly from there. And every time I would screw up, I would go back and look at the guitar and be like, oh, I bet they did it this way. Go try that. Go try that. And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing looking back at some of my schematics and just how funny they were, you know, and how just out of whack. And <laughs> but uh, along with that, having the, the math background really helps. And I'm, I'm very, very obsessed with the golden ratio. My, my kids, when I was teaching would, if they wanted me to not teach that day, they'd be like, Hey, Howie, tell us about that golden ratio. What's, what's that like, you know, and how does that work? So I, I knew that eventually I wanted everything to be centered around that. And so I would look at the guitar and I would, would think, okay, is there a way that I can apply the golden ratio to the situation that I'm in right now where this is not working? And just really slowly it's developed to where the guitars are now. But of course it's not stopping. I mean, it's every single guitar still, I'm trying to do it better, you know, and I'm definitely, I'm definitely not done and I never will be. There's not a perfect guitar for me. 
So, and you know, that's the beginner's brain there, right? Like you're always learning, you're always trying, you're always, you know, up leveling. Um, so what is the golden ratio and like, why are you so obsessed with it? Right. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) How much time do you have? Hey, Howie, tell us about the golden ratio. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. We don't want to do algebra today. (laughs) So, so yeah, it was, it's, it's a ratio that you find everywhere in life. And, you know, uh, for example, bees build their hives around it. Um, every part of our body has it. For example, the, the distance from your elbow to your wrist compared to your wrist to the tip of your, your uh, middle finger is the ratio. And it's in our faces. It's, um, it's in the distance of the planets from the sun. It's, it's in the smallest thing that you can find. You know, you picture, you know, the tiniest little neutron its distance from the protons or whatever that is, you know, I'm not too versed, but the golden ratio is there. So to me, it's like, it's almost reverent that number. And I thought, okay, if I can make a guitar that's built around this, people will like it. And there, there is a, there is a thing about it that people look at it and they're just like, I, there's just something about that guitar. And it's what I've come to see is it, it does, replicate the human body a little bit you know what i mean because everything is based on that ratio and uh i'm hoping that's what will cause people to gravitate toward it so yeah and is that like the for the excuse my non-versed uh understanding (laughs) of it but you've got almost like that kind of conch shell type of um image that's in like carved into Right all of your guitars yeah yeah so one of the best examples of the golden ratio is the nautilus shell and and yeah and and the thing about it you know when i first started looking into it i thought okay if i can build around a nautilus shell there's just so many natural acoustic things about a shell you know you know the whole thing pick up a shell put it on your ear you know you you can hear you know hear the ocean supposedly and so I took it from that and I thought, you know, all these other luthiers when I was still trying to hold the outside world away and don't, don't tell me how to build a guitar. Um, some of these luthiers were like, no, you're using the wrong wood. They kept, and it was all about the wood. You have to have spruce. You got to have this, you got to. And I thought, well, instead of wood, what about the shape affecting the, the way it sounds? You know, they, they were all about the wood is what gives you your tone. And I thought, what about the shape giving you your tone? And, um, I use things such as, uh, there's a place in Grand Central Station. We just got to see it. It's called the Whispering Wall. And, uh, basically you can stand, gosh, I want to say it's like 50 yards apart and you can whisper in the corner and the other person in the other corner, 50 yards apart can hear what you say because of how it bounces. And there's places like this all over the world. They call them, uh, whispering cones. Uh, the Sistine Chapel has that, um, Mormon Tabernacle has it and it's, 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 it's all mathematics. It's all about how sound bounces, but it turns out that it's the golden ratio that makes it work and drives it all. So that's, yeah, (laughs) I went off on a tangent. No, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is such a big purpose. A part of your purpose in your life is to, is to bring this understanding of really this oneness that connects us all, which is this golden ratio. Truth. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, so you've had your coaching business, um, 
Uh, Jen started an amazing company, Little Potatoes Baby Food. Um, And you guys have been entrepreneurs for as long as we've known you. And we're older than you. And, um, (laughs) and I just remember being like, my God, they're like, they're younger than us. And they're just like taking all these risks and they're just, they're living the way that they want to live. And, um, obviously support systems are amazing. And your parents and Jen's mom, like you always had a great support system around you, but what have you learned about what have you learned about taking risks in your life? I mean, cause you're a dad too. So people may say, Oh, well, it's easy. Cause he doesn't know. He, you had a baby. You had a baby, little baby. Jen, Jen had a baby. Yeah. Jen had a baby. <laughs> but you guys no. had like young children and here you yeah. are living your dreams. So you really, um, kind of take excuses off the table for people. Right, and right. you know, you, you weren't born into royalty. It's not like you had, right. you weren't trust fund <laughs> kids, right. um, but you've always right. found a way to make it work. And so what do, what do you have to say about taking risk in, in your life? Yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, we had the support, you know, it's, it's not like massive endless support, but what I've figured out is so far is you know what you want to do and you just, you have to do whatever it takes to not let it die. And so, you know, for example, all the while I'm, I'm building, you know, trying to build these guitars, but at the same time I was finishing a basement, you know, for somebody, or I'll be overdoing some construction with a buddy to, to keep the funds coming in, whatever it takes, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the starving musicians that have to wait tables at night, things like that. Um, so I even, I, I donated 88 rounds of plasma to, you know, there's this place called BioLife here and, and, you know, they, they pay you like 35 bucks a, a shot for plasma. And so I literally thought about calling one of my guitars, the plasma series, because it funded a lot of the wood, you know, it was just, so you just don't let it die. Don't let it die. But at the same time, I would have let it die for sure without, without Jen, without, my boys, especially without my mom, every time I'd be like, I think, I don't know, mom, she'd be like, you're not going to let this die. You're not, you know, she would, she, she, she's the biggest cheerleader by far. And, uh, she also helped us get the patent for, for one of the guitars too. So it's kind of like, she's the, she's the driver that doesn't get any of the credit, you know? What, what can you say for, for, for those that don't know what they want to do? Oh boy. One of the things I used to always say to the athletes, um, my, my triathletes runners, man, what, I don't know what races to do, or I don't, I don't know which way to go. I, I would always say, let your excitement be your guide. And, you know, if they're talking about doing a race and they're kind of like, yeah, I should probably do that one. Be like, no, no, no. It's gotta be the race where you're like, man, I really want to do that. That look how, look at that beautiful location. Look at all this stuff. So if they were excited about it, that's the right direction. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of let it, let it guide you. So, it, you know, the second Jen said, you know what? You should build guitars. I was like, oh, of course, that sounds so awesome. You know what I mean? It just, and, and to this day, it's so fun. You know, it's, it's frustrating at times. Of course, I've got, I've got a heavy bag sitting right beside me here in the garage. <laughs> it's better to hit a heavy bag than to destroy the guitar that you're building at that time. <laughs> but that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, the thread, Craig. That's the, what lights you up, right? And so right. if, 
right. guitars light you up, if Kona lights you up, yeah, you start there. You don't start right. with, well, you know, what is the workout I need to do and, and what meal do I need to eat tonight to to prepare for tomorrow? Right. Those are the details. Or how do I right. start to build guitars? Um, how do you not right. get caught up in that? How do you keep that? And I know you probably right. are going to start experiencing that with your two boys. Like they're going to have oh, dreams absolutely. and they're going to be like, dad, how do I get there? Like, how do I oh, do this? So true. Well, I actually you know, listening to you guys' podcast, uh, you talking about the life force. And to me, it's, it's, it's the thing that you have to keep coming back to that makes you excited. You know, it kind of like, I remember you, you saying in one of the most recent podcasts about, you know, you can be just destroyed from a workout and you want to, all you want to do is sleep. And then a buddy comes into town and wants to hang out. And it's that, it's that like, where did that, where did that energy come from? Where, where was it before, you know? And, and so I've got to have that thing, you know, I've got to have that vision. I've got to have, you know, so I, I mean, for, for me, one of the biggest things I think about constantly is Dan Auerbach. He's the lead guitarist for the black keys. I, I see him playing one of my guitars and I'm like, Man, every single time, see, I'm getting goosebumps. Just oh, I about have it. them too. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there we go. There we go. He's, he's one of my biggest heroes on the guitar. And, um, he even, we were at a guitar show one time and, and, and he walks right by. We was in Nashville and he, had, he was, he was zoned in on, you know, he wasn't stopping. You could tell he didn't want to talk that day. But I just remember walking by and I was just like, you're going to play it, buddy. One of these, you're going to play one of my guitars. <laughs> and at the same time, I'm shouting like, Dan, if you want one, take it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's like, who's this guy? This weird guy. But no, I, I definitely think you need, you need a vision. You need, you need something that, man, when this, this really sucks, when I just blew up this guitar and wasted all this money, got to see it. So that's one of my main ones. The other one's Gary Clark Jr. I, I picture him playing my guitar someday and that fires me up too. <laughs> so that's, yeah. I, I mean, that's no different than, um, Senior G, self. uh, Jim, Jim Carrey writing mm -hmm. himself mm -hmm. a $10 million check when he didn't even know how he was going to pay for his next meal. And he carried mm -hmm. that check and then basically got a $10 million check when he, um, when, uh, Ace Ventura. Did he really? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's oh, that's so such cool. a great story. And and yeah. uh, Jim Carrey is is a meditator for sure. And no, um, according to my teacher, I don't know how he knows this, but um, that he has reached the super conscious state where you know you just become one with all things. And wow. he says that you know ever since he got there, like he just wants to get back because it's just the best place ever. And this <laughs> world is like so hectic and crazy. But if you listen to Jim Carrey speak, you're listening to a man who understands that he is much more than the physical body. Oh my gosh. Wow. Holy cow. That's so cool. I'm gonna have to look into that more. Yeah. That's, yeah. He's, he's yeah. really cool. But yeah, he wrote himself a $10 million check. And, you know, <laughs> for me, um, it's, it's teaching, it's leading meditation to Team USA at the Olympics. There you go. And there you I go. Am, there's your vision. I'm there. Like I've seen it. I felt it. I'm, we're there. And, and there's one thing that I've learned from being on the podcast and talking, talking, talking and writing, writing, writing that really my, greatest excitement and where I feel the most whole is when I'm leading 
people in meditation. There you go. Yeah. You're going to do it. I believe it. You'll do it. I know you will. <laughs> I know I will. And I know you will yeah. too. Okay, now we got to get BJ's dream. What's your dream, Beach? Oh, my yeah. dream. My dream is to to bring an athlete to the the premier stage. You know, nice. find that athlete that is just like, I don't know what I want to do. Oh, okay, I want to do triathlon. I want to swim, bike, and run. And then taking them from concept to um, fulfillment all the way up to, you know, the professional level would be quite, quite amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you'll do that. Mm. You'll do that. Absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind for either of those, <laughs> for both of you. <laughs> and if I learned to play the guitar, then you damn you straight go. I would be playing there a Howie guitar. There you go. <laughs> um, what is something you want? Like, what do you what do you wish for people to take away from this from this conversation? We've talked a lot about things. A lot of things we've talked about meditation we've talked about low points we've talked about yeah. living your dreams taking risk beginner's brain all of that what what, a, what is, what's one thing you want them to take away i one thing that i kept thinking about before we talked was how for me the guitar and music are kind of the ultimate meditation in a way because it the guitar one of my favorite lyrics is this old guitar saved me once. I hope it can do it again. You know, and it's basically whenever I was down, whenever I was in trouble, the guitar always made me feel better. You know, growing up playing it, I played it since I was 12. And then it, it's just been a link to so many things. It's, it's been a way to connect with my dad when I couldn't, you know, it's been, it breaks down every barrier you can think of. I mean, racial barriers, um, political barriers, when you bring the music and the guitar together, it all goes away and, and people can, people can thrive together because of it. If that, if that makes sense. I don't know if I said that <laughs> well enough, but it, uh, to me, that's, so another one of those bright visions of mine is, very similar to yours, BJ, is I would love to find a non-player and get them to the point where they do that as a career, where they play the guitar as a career, you know? So that's another one of those, one of those things to fall back on. Do you believe that <laughs> yeah. um, anything is possible? Like if it's on our heart, it's there for a reason? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's, it's not about, is it going to happen for sure? But at least when I'm, when I'm trying for that, it's what I want to do and, and it's how I want to live. You know what I mean? So even if you don't, don't necessarily make it, at least I was living how I wanted to in the process going towards it. If that, you know, if that makes sense. That's yeah. powerful. Yeah. That's really, I mean, why, why not? It's really powerful. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are waiting to live. A lot of people are waiting for the other side of retirement, you know, to, to get to retirement, to get to Friday, to get to the vacation. And, and when I work with people who maybe are in an unsatisfying job position or marriage, mm. you know, even like, yep. oh, I can't wait for my girls weekend and all of that. And I always remind oh. them like, yeah, but guess who's going on your, your guess who's going on your girls weekend? You're right. Like, hey, yeah, exactly. You're going on your girls weekend. And yeah. everything that's unsatisfactory in your life is somewhere deep down inside in those corners. And there's oh. something off balance there. And um, there, we are here to experience joy. I really believe we're here to experience joy because at our essence, that's who we are. 
Oh my gosh. And you guys personify that more than anybody. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I, I, I know, I know the risks you guys have taken too. Mm -hmm. So well, there's a lot really... of self-regulation in there, Craig, as you, you have <laughs> known me prior to being a meditator. Um, thank God. Uh, oh, but you're boy. fiery. I'm fiery. If I could be a fly on the wall of some of our conversations back in the day. Oh, oh gosh. my gosh. Or one of our, gosh. um, our favorite stories ever that we share with people. Oh and my God, you may, this is a crazy uh, story. You, oh yes. You need to read you know exactly what we're talking what you're about. Say. I do. I know exactly what you're going to say. Something, to, I something do. to do with porta johns. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. I can knew you, it. Can you share that story if you don't mind? Oh, I'd love to. Oh yeah, I'd let's cap to. off this podcast with yeah, one of the this most is hysterical stories. <laughs> Epic story. Okay, so it's, it's probably four in the morning, maybe 4.30. I'm teaching at the time, and so I have to do my hard runs in the morning. And uh, I'm running, and of course, I'm, I'm doing a hard set, so of course I'm listening to Metallica, and I'm cranking, man. And nature calls, and I see a construction site, and it's like Shangri-La, you know, you see the Portageon, and it's like, your body's like, yes, you're fine, you're going to make it, you're fine. You're going to do it. And so, so you do the duck walk over to the portage on and you're like, it's all going to be fine. And I was worried when I saw it, you know, I had the construction companies will lock them sometimes zip ties or whatever. And of course I go and I pull and it's locked and it's like your whole body just clenches. Like you told me I was going to get to go and all of a sudden I can't. So, so I just started cussing a blue streak. I was so like, you know, I'm not, obviously I won't say it here. And so I'm, I'm down holding my knees and I'm like, okay, I'm going to bust into this thing. So I look, I, I'm looking all around and I finally, I find this big stick. I'm seriously going to pry this dang thing open and I'm about to get it to pry open and the dang door opens and there's a guy inside, dude, you can have it. You can have it. You can have it. And, <laughs> and I, it's because I had Metallica blasting the whole time. I didn't hear the poor guy saying, dude, somebody in here, somebody in here. And the poor guy, <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> yeah. So it's stories like that, that I always think about the other person telling oh, the story. Like you're never exactly. going to see that guy again, but like he's been telling that story for years about how this psycho like started to <laughs> pry open the on with a stick from like you, that he was like, because he doesn't know the whole story, right? He doesn't know the story. Exactly. All he knows is that this total psycho who was blasting death metal tried to pry open and, you know, exactly. and take him for dead. But, oh, my God, I yeah. love that story. BJ, I love how you've figured out how to work that in there. That was yes. amazing. Too. I've, I've shared that story so many times because we're <laughs> – I think half our life is is in Portageon since you know running yes. around town and at at, yes. uh, at races. Yeah, and we're always like, no, we have the we best, have a great we start. have the best Portageon. Yeah. Hold, hold on a minute. <laughs> awesome. awesome, awesome, Craig. Um, how can people check out your work, your guitars? Yeah, um, I'm mostly on Instagram. I do do Facebook, but I I don't manage it very well. My wife does Facebook for me, but at, uh, it's at Howie Guitars for both of them. Uh, mainly Instagram is where I post most of my stuff, and then howieguitars.com of course and you can reach me by email there and everything so 
Awesome. Yeah. And you have a great, you guys wrote up a great story on the About Us section. So I encourage oh, people cool. to go and check it out. It's going to give you a little thank more you. background on, on Craig and Jen and all the amazing things they're doing in this world. Yeah. Craig, thank you so much. Oh, for thank you, Thanks, buddy. Guys. So good to thank see you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. With us. Yeah, that was awesome.